is the Go Blue Crew. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to episode 133 of the Go Blue Crew. I am Tyler Fenwick, joined by Derek Devine. Derek, we got Big Ten football back this week. Michigan football, of course, comes with that. How are you feeling about the opening weekend of, forget everybody else, this opening weekend of the true college football season? Yeah, I mean, this is, college football is officially starting for us. It feels like everything else is just a gimmick. Preseason. And it's weird. I mean, I, I can't even believe, like, we're about to do, like, a game preview. And this is something that it feels like we haven't done in three years, though. We, we did it during basketball season. We obviously do it before every game, football season. Um, but it feels like it's been years since we've done this, ages. And I'm just excited to talk about a game that's, you know, likely to happen. I still say likely because you never know. Of course. But, yeah, I mean, football is here, and the next time we speak, um, at least via podcast, a Michigan game would have happened. That's weird. It, at least, you know, earlier we never got to the point where, like, we were talking about a specific game, and then the season got pulled on us. That would have been even more heartbreaking than what happened. So I'm happy that we didn't actually get to that point earlier. But, you know, like, we're recording this Thursday night. If if Friday or like God forbid, like Saturday morning, you know, something crazy happens, that will be, you know, just like a, a top, top three heartbreak in my life. And, and that's counting, that's counting dead relatives. That's counting everything. That'd be a top three heartbreak in my life. I'm pretty sure. It'd be, it'd be a tough one to swallow. <laughs> so uh, Michigan's going to open up with, with Minnesota. That's a seven thirty night game on the road. Although on the road doesn't mean, what it usually means this year the line on this one last time we talked uh, last week michigan was a two and a half point underdog which you know made sense i thought since then the line has moved and michigan's a three-point favorite the only thing i can think of here is that pj fleck earlier this week uh basically said that he has some number of players who won't be playing because of covid protocols and he didn't say who, he didn't say how many. It was very vague, but it was clear that like some players won't be playing. And we've talked before about how neither of us are betting people. Like I don't know much about this, but that's the only thing I could think of that's really changed from the time that Michigan was a two and a half point underdog till now. Yeah, I can't identify anything else. And and if anything, the the official news that Nico Collins, who we've talked about every episode for the last thirty episodes, um, <laughs> is like officially opted out and not on the roster. If anything, I've, I mean that would favor Minnesota's likelihood of winning, just because I mean Nico Collins is the one receiver um, outside of Ronnie Bell that you could identify as you know most likely to make a play or make Joe Milton's life easier. So yeah, I mean other than than that, not much has happened, but yeah, the lines moved, and and now Michigan is the favorite. Minnesota uh, is ranked number sixteen, and Michigan number seventeen on on the S and P plus. Um, you go to the Football Power Index. Minnesota is number twenty eight. Michigan's number eighteen. I don't know what to make of rankings right now because I mean, for example, like the Football Power Index has Northwestern at number twenty four. That seems criminal. I, so I like I don't know how much stock to put in this stuff. Um, AP rankings like th- this is a top top twenty five, top twenty maybe showdown. I I did not write this down. I'm not sure. It's at least top twenty five though. 
and the marquee game of, of the Big Ten's opening weekend. Do you think, like, does this carry the, the same normal weight of a top 25 matchup, or does it not mean as much since we're kind of looking at these rankings and, and wondering, like, where the heck did they come up with that? Yeah, I think it's weird now because of all the games that have happened and these positions have kind of stayed stationary for the most part. But I mean, the way the that it's being uh, you know presented and previewed is a top twenty-five matchup. I mean, college game day is going to be there, primetime game, uh, two top twenty-five teams, two teams that um, you know have a shot in the Big Ten. Uh, probably not the two best teams in the Big Ten, obviously, but but two teams that are. Um, looking to you know have great seasons and could very well have good seasons. So for me, it's I think everything feels weird. It, it I think rankings it's not even something I've thought of. Like I know that Michigan you know is projected to be a top twenty five team heading into the season, right around where you think they could finish. Um, even though they they could be better, they could be much worse. Um, it's just it's just a game to me. Like this is like the one time ever going into a, either the first game of the season or or a top 25 matchup where I've I've barely even considered that. I'm just thankful that there's a football game. And, you know, I'm hoping the result is in favor of Michigan. I'm hoping that Michigan can prove that, hey, they are a top 25 caliber team. I know Minnesota is looking to do much of the same. But, yeah, from the line to the rankings, um, I'm just seeing this as Michigan's first opportunity. And, it's it's a weird one. It's weird to to think that October twenty fourth is the first game of the twenty twenty season uh, on the road with no fans, uh, with a new starting quarterback and a lot of questions. It's it's here, but it's not maybe what we what we expected. Um, and and honestly, I don't know what the result is going to be, other than I'm hopeful that it's a win. So I have a hypothetical question for you. Um, this is not happening to me. Let me get that out of the way this is purely hypothetical not happening to me and if it was happening to me i wouldn't complain about it but let's say you're somebody who is going to be at a family weekend uh with your fiance's family uh how, how would you handle that situation as far as like making sure the the setting and the mood is correct for a, a michigan night game to open the season if that was you because again this isn't me this is purely hypothetical but if you were that person going to family weekend, how, how would you handle that? It's a little odd because I feel like, you know, depending on the family dynamic and the importance of this game, um, it could be a little difficult. But for me, I've always been a straight shooter and I've made it clear no matter if it's, you know, my family, my wife's family, my friends, uh, whoever it is that, you know, Michigan games do take priority on Saturdays and if it's a night game even better I have all day to you know be eager and, and nervous to watch the game so my advice to you is you still have so plenty of time this hypothetical person remember not me hypothetical yeah you you as the as the hypothetical you know you've presented the situation so my advice to you to let whoever know in the future uh, who may run into this you know situation is you know do it earlier than later but in this case for the Michigan Minnesota game, you got about 48 hours to have the conversations of, look, you know what? This is a priority. Uh, me as this hypothetical person has been waiting for months for this to happen. And this is a top 25 matchup that I think, you know, most people will be tuning into. And I think that I, we, you know, the whole family 
should do the same. And if it's not a situation where you can, you know, be glued to the TV, maybe let them know that the phone's going to come out every once in a while. So I hope whoever this is has success this weekend because, again, I think the game is the most important thing happening this weekend. Michigan fan, Minnesota fan, um, of course. But, yeah, I mean, best of luck to whoever that person may be because that is a difficult situation. The person who this might be somewhere out there in the world um, likely has two TVs, one in this in this first floor and one like in a basement. And I think that would help this hypothetical person because there can be a little bit of separation because I also think the hypothetical person doesn't really like watching Michigan games with other people who aren't like immediate family and also diehard Michigan fans. So that might, that might help this person's uh, situation, but, but we'll move on. Forget about that. Tanner Morgan is somebody I'm pretty afraid of Minnesota's quarterback. Uh, he's a, an experienced guy, redshirt junior. He was really good last year, flew a little bit under the radar. And I think that's mostly just to do with the fact that, you know, he played for Minnesota in the big 10 West, which doesn't get a whole lot of attention for good reason. But the fact is like, he was really good. And you could probably say he was the best quarterback in the Big Ten outside of of Justin Fields. He is going to be throwing to Rashad Bateman, who was one of the first big names to opt out, and then he opted back in. That duo right there, just I mean, I'm I'm really nervous to see like if they're clicking and Michigan's defense is scrambling, trying to find answers. It could be a really long night. Yeah, I think where I'm at is, I mean, that that's a duo that they're going to connect. They're going to have big plays. It's just limiting the opportunities um, that, that Bateman has to, you know, be dangerous with the, with the rock in his hands. I would say that um, close second, if, if not right up there with Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore is a guy who's going to get his yards, who's going to get his plays for Purdue no matter what. Um, I think – you have to key in on a matchup like that and, and really hope that, you know, you can limit the success and, and make a guy like Tanner Morgan rely on other targets who are also, I mean, he's, he's got plenty of weapons that, that Minnesota offense from, from offensive line to, uh, to, to quarterback receiver, even running back play. They've, they've got a talented offense. I think this turns into, you know, what, which offense, is better. Obviously the, the objective of the game is whoever scores more points. I think this could easily be a high scoring affair. If it's not, it's because defenses have found a way to turn it on or turnovers become a problem. But if you look around college football and a lot of the Michigan coaches, especially on the defensive side of the ball have been asked this, like what's up with all the scoring. And it just feels like offenses are ahead of defenses in a season like this during a pandemic. And so I think that both offenses are, are truly talented, can put up a lot of points. Obviously, it comes down to who scores more. But if you can limit what Tanner Morgan can do with maybe one wide out and, and make him beat you in other ways, I think that gives Michigan a chance to at least you know stay in the game and get things clicking on the offense side of the ball as well. And if the defense is doing a good job um, limiting Morgan to, to Bateman, I, I think that you have a lot of confidence that can be carried throughout the game uh, because that is the the biggest problem to solve. And if you can, you know, limit them in the first half, I think you feel pretty confident coming out in the second half, but just knowing that at any moment, I mean, there could be a big connection game breaking play 
uh, has to be a little startling to, you know, the defensive coaches and the guys on the defense end of the ball. Cause this is, you know, like you said, one of the, the best quarterbacks in the big 10, one of the best wide receivers in the big 10, and they're bound to make some incredible plays. So that's exactly what I was thinking. You make Tanner Morgan rely on other receivers and playmakers who, you know, we're not going to sit here and, and call them scrubs or anything like that. But the fact is like, like Minnesota had two 1,000 yards of receiver last year. They didn't need a whole bunch of production behind them. So on top of returning one 1,000-yard receiver, who's still really good, you also lose a 1,000-yard running back in Rodney Smith. So there's a, a, key, a few key pieces there that you're replacing. And I I think, you know, you look at last year's uh, receiver stats for Minnesota and, like, nobody else outside of, of Rashad Bateman and um, – Name slips my mind right now, but the other thousand yard receiver caught more than thirty or, or caught more than thirty passes last year. That's a little, you know, perhaps the silver lining here. The fact that the Minnesota was able to rely on a few key guys and replacing a couple of them could be a little bit of a hiccup, especially early. But uh, you know, considering the fact that that you know we're, we're not even sure right now like who Michigan's number two cornerback is. I just think it's it's good reason for concern, and you're right. Offenses have have definitely been ahead of defenses uh, this season, whether that's pandemic related with how weird camps have been, or or maybe it's just you know offenses are are outpacing defenses in general. Like that seems to be a steady fact in the college football world right now. And so if that's the way this one plays out, as as far as like what you can prove right now you're probably going to take minnesota's offense over michigan's offense even you know if you're really high on joe milton the fact is we've shown we've seen joe milton throw like eight passes or something like that it's like there's there's really no reason i think to to believe that michigan's offense um is is going to be like head and shoulders above what minnesota is so that that's just the thing that's like got me really nervous right now yeah i think the thing too is i mean uh new offensive coordinator for Minnesota, I believe. And so play yeah. calling is going to be really key because if, if you look at what coaches have said, the, you know, the, the secondary for Michigan is, is a question mark in some areas, but you've got some key guys. Vincent Gray, for example, um, has become the leader at cornerback um, is the, you know, well-known going to be the number one cornerback on the team, the number two spots, what players are fighting for. I mean, so there's your matchup. It's Vincent Gray who has experience, had some, great flashes as a defender last year, um, you know, guarding one of the best receivers in the nation. So where can you, you know, put your top receiver if you're Minnesota to avoid Michigan's best defender? You've got a guy like Dax Hill, who's um, able to move around the field, likely going to be covering Shaw Bateman. So it's, it's what can Minnesota do to, you know, get those favorable matchups um, against the, the Michigan cornerbacks and, and safeties, maybe even some linebackers where I feel like there's a lot of games you can think of against Ohio state where you're just wondering, like, how does, how does he end up on this top receiver? Like how, how does this schematically work to where you're leaving a linebacker, you know, chasing a guy down a sideline. And so if you've got, you know, guys like Vincent Gray, Dax Hill, and Brad Hawkins back there, you've got three great defenders who I think are very capable and will hold the Michigan secondary together. But it is going to be on those other guys, DJ Turner, Sammy Faustin, some others that have been mentioned, uh, Jamon Green, to you know really step up and, and prove that one they're able to handle starting on the Michigan defense, but you know hold their own against uh, a great team. And so I think that Michigan secondary is in a 
better place than I think a lot of people will give credit. It might not have the depth. It might not have the the guys that you can key in on as, you know, filling in some of these second positions. But, I mean, I would expect Vincent Gray and, and Dax Hill, Brad Hawkins to have unbelievable years and be names that you're going to hear a lot of. And that's not mentioning the D-line that we're very familiar with, the linebacking core that could be one of the best in terms of depth in the nation. Um, so I, I want to give a little bit more credit to the secondary than I think some people are. But yeah, I mean, if there's one way to see how, where your secondary is going to kind of fall this season, it's playing against uh, you know a guy who could have easily been uh, a, a top pick in the NFL draft if he would have opted out in Rashad Bateman. So this is probably the best challenge that Michigan could face earlier in the season because this is going to show a lot with, with how prepared um, the secondary truly is. Minnesota's defense last year was pretty good. Number 26 in the, the S&P plus efficiency category. Only four of those starters returned, though, and only one of those starters is in the front seven, lost their top cornerback who had seven interceptions, which I believe was half or almost half of the team's uh, total interceptions. Do you expect Michigan, especially with a, you know as they break in like a new starting quarterback, to try to make a statement by by running the football when you're going up against a defense that is trying to replace so much in that front seven? Yeah, I, I mean, I think as long as Jim Harbaugh is the head coach, he's he's going to want to run the football and prove that, you know, within the trenches from the, the blocking up front, uh, creating gaps, uh, to having really talented and, and a deep running back room. I mean, Jim Harbaugh is going to want to pound it on the ground. Um, always has, always will. Um, I think where you'll see the differences is Josh Gaddis leading the offense, speed and space. He wants to, you know, including running backs, give guys opportunities to to get out in space and, and, and be pass catchers. Uh, but I think Jim Harbaugh, more than anybody, wants to come out and make a statement on the ground. I think that if there's one area we are most confident about as Michigan fans, as, as people who, you know, cover the sport, anyone who covers the sport, um, everyone is pretty confident that Michigan has one of the top running back rooms in the Big Ten, maybe even in the country, depending on how things uh, work out. And so they are going to try to, you know, dominate the trenches, get the run game going. And if they do, and this is true for the entire season, that is going to make Joe Milton's job so much easier uh, just because it's going to open things up for him. So I think that two things will happen. I think that Michigan focuses on the ground early, um, and tries to establish success there. But I think Josh Gaddis is going to want to come out and, and let Joe Milton be Joe Milton because if he's truly going to have the type of season that many people think he could have or be the quarterback in the future that you know many of us have been looking for as Michigan fans, I mean, he's going to have to let him throw deep. He's going to have to let receivers um, get to the open green spots on the on the field. And, and I just think that maybe it starts with a run, but I, I would expect Joe Milton to be able to have kind of like a show maybe two or three possessions in but yeah first possession I would I wouldn't be surprised if Jim Harbaugh just runs it every time and tries to establish that because he's he's such a guy who you know he he loves developing the quarterbacks he loves the quarterback position he was a quarterback but there is something about him using a Karan Higdon or or a Zach Charbonnet to just you know really open up a game and say hey by the way we're gonna run it down your throats today and you're not gonna stop us. So a few things we're going to do in all of our previews this year, hopefully, you know, there's nine, 10, 11 of them. 11, I think would be to a national championship. 
I'd have to double check my math. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna look at a top matchup, a key to the game, and then of course get a prediction. These aren't things we have to, you know, beat into the ground. We can we can rattle them off. We can talk about them a little bit. But uh, first, we'll go with the top matchup, and and this can be individuals or it can be a position group on a position group. I'll go first. I'm gonna take Vincent Gray and Rashad Bateman. I'm interested to see is Vincent Gray like a true number one corner. Because that's something we've gotten really used to seeing at Michigan, especially since Jim Harbaugh has been here. There's been that guy you know you can count on to maybe not shut down a guy of, of Rashad Bateman's ability, but they can like go toe-to-toe, and you know he's not going to get beat up for 60 minutes. I want to know, is Vincent Gray that guy? And, and he's not giving up a lot of height to Rashad Bateman. In fact, I mean, according to the rosters, he's not giving up any. They're both listed at 6'2" giving up a little size, but you know, if Vincent Gray is a true number one, like, like he should be able to hang with Rashad Bateman. And that should be something that we look at after the game and think huge plus huge question mark answered was, you know, is, is Vincent Gray going to be able to be that guy? So that's my top matchup. I say for me, top matchup this week is going to be uh, Michigan's offensive line and, and Minnesota's defensive line or just defense in particular. I think Michigan's ability to protect Joe Milton uh, and opening up the run game is going to really matter. I think that that's where you have to look at Michigan probably being more talented than Minnesota, uh, hopefully year to year, is in the trenches. And, and again, I think Minnesota has a great offensive line. Um, a little bit less familiar with their defense again, especially for this year, but I mean, they're, they're solid, uh, but I think that, you know, in the trenches, Michigan has always proven to be a team that has, you know, great offense alignment and, and dominant defense alignment, defense ends. And so I think that that matchup in particular will be the key because if you give Joe Milton time to throw the ball and make plays, I think he's going to do so. I think you'll see some wild plays. I think you'll see some inconsistency. Uh, if you can open up the run game, like I already talked about, I think you're going to see Michigan, you know, hanging around this game and ultimately winning this game. Uh, because I, I think at the end of the day, as much as there's inexperience really all over Michigan squad this year, I think the offensive line is, is going to pull it together. They might look weak uh, maybe in the first half and, and maybe in moments throughout the first few games. But overall, the Warner as the, you know, the offensive line coach, I am truly confident that you know, year in and year out, that's going to be um, an advantage that Michigan holds over many teams, not all teams, but many teams. Uh, and I think that that's going to be the key in this game because the, the better the protection, uh, the better the run blocking. I mean, obviously the, the easier job the rest of the Michigan offense has. So right. my, my key to this game is I, I need Michigan's defense to let Jill Milton be comfortable. Don't make him be Superman in his first game starting as Michigan's quarterback. That would be, I think a, a recipe for disaster. I need the defense to, you know, let him have a lead, but but at least you know keep it within a score. So every time Joe Milton goes out there, he knows he can either tie it up or take a lead. I would just I would be uncomfortable for sitting there in the second half and it's uh, even just a ten point game. Like I I would want my starting quarterback to feel like no matter what you know until the end, like he was in it. And, you know, we talked before about how the offenses have, have definitely been favored in this college football season. 
So I I think it'd be huge if the defense could could step up and like let Joe Milton know that hey you know you don't have to go out there and be perfect you don't have to go out there and like be more than what you are you just play your game and we'll keep you in it that's that's my key. Yeah, I'm right with you on the key because I think that Joe Milton having to play hero ball is going to be a Joe Milton that is not quite there. Uh, I'm not saying that Joe Milton can't come out and and make wild plays and and lead a comeback. Um, I mean, that's to be determined, but like you said, if, if you are Michigan's defense and in putting, you know, the offense in the best position possible, I think that's really going to help Joe Bill and ease into his first, um, game as a starter. I, I think any, you know, extra adversity or challenges he has to face because defense is giving up big plays and, um, and not holding their own is going to make him get into a position that he's just simply not comfortable with because he hasn't had the experience doing that all of his time has been at the end of games for the most part um i don't want to call it meaningless because i i truly think as a quarterback in you know division one football especially in the big 10 that any snap counts for experience is getting some of the jitters out at least um but yeah i mean they've they've got to put him in a position to succeed as a starting quarterback and again that's anything from the the defense doing its job to the offensive line protecting him because if you're if you're making life hard on him in his first start i think that you know you're probably going to see him fail from time to time just because that's going to be a lot to handle for a first first year uh, starter okay before we get to predictions i just want to let you know Derek i'm i'm keeping track of this and we're going to revisit this you know, certainly like the next week we'll look back and be like, oh my gosh, I was so stupid. At the end of the season, we're going to come back to this and see who was right, who was wrong. We'll look at point differentials. I'm going to plan on having like a whole breakdown of this stuff. And we'll see like who who was truly on point throughout the season when it comes to predicting Michigan football games. So that'll be something to look forward to. I'm taking Minnesota here, 30-28. I think it will be a close game. I know that's not a super high scoring game like we're kind of thinking it might be um but i i trust i trust michigan's defense you know th- this so this is more about trusting michigan's defense i think to kind of limit minnesota uh throughout the game in some parts and not letting them like get up into the 40s and i think in, in michigan's case you're breaking in a new starting quarterback uh you're breaking in a a veteran but but still you know kind of inexperienced offensive line you're wondering how exactly the wide receiver talent is going to pan out, how you're going to use it, I should say, because you, you know the talent's there, but you, you know it's it's going to be a little different of of a of a talent base than what you've had last year. So so I'm taking Minnesota uh, thirty twenty eight. I'm going to go ahead and take Michigan thirty four to twenty four. I think that there's going to be um, uh, a couple of drives for Michigan that that early on that will, you know, just result in the field goal. And obviously assuming that, um, you know, kickers are doing their jobs. Um, I think that there's going to be some, some wow moments uh, with Michigan's offense from the, from the running backs, from Joe Millen, from the receivers. Um, but I think that, you know, in typical Michigan fashion, I think finishing drives is going to be something that they're going to struggle with early. And I think that you'll see some touchdowns in the second half that will, you know, keep Michigan right in it. And then ultimately, Uh, win by 10 points. I do think that Michigan is the better team. I think that Minnesota has more figured out or maybe has more um, that you'd expect from them just because of that, that key matchup with two, you know, studs that one at quarterback and one at receiver. But I do think Michigan's the more talented team and, and, you know, the game is uh, 
uh, a game of four quarters and, and 60 minutes. And, and I do truly believe that Michigan will, you know, use all the time it needs to, to show that it's the better team in, in Saturday's game. But I see 34-24, um, not as high scoring as I think it could be. I mean, we've literally seen teams in college football this year both score in the 50s. Um, I think that turnovers and, you know, enough defensive plays will keep the scores from being super high. But, you know, 34 points on the road in an opener and a 10-point victory is, you know, solid in my opinion. I'm not able to do this math, but I think we picked the same point total with 30-28 and 34-24. You went four higher with the winner and four lower with the loser. So I think that gives us the same point total doesn't it i'm gonna have to trust you on this one (laughs) okay like i said i can't i couldn't sit here i was trying to do the math but i i just couldn't do it but uh after the show i'll add it up and and we'll have to come back next week and and i'll I'll try to confirm my genius i hope you're right i hope michigan wins by 10 um that would be a really good start to the season and you know something to something to build on and and obviously a, a difficult shaky year for not just Michigan, but all of the big 10. So uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Ty underscore Fenwick. If you want to follow Derek, he's at divine identity. Remember Michigan, Minnesota, seven thirty Eastern on ABC, uh, big, big opener, biggest in a while. So take care until the next time. Go blue. Go blue.